0: Being a mom is the toughest job there is and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom
1: Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Three, four. All right guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne.
0: And this is gonna be an episode we're trying something new. You know, we're busy moms are on the go all the time. Um, Every once in a while, it's hard for us to sync up in the same city, let, let alone in the same room. So I'm talking to you guys from sunny Florida.
1: And, and I'm in freezing cold New York and I'm so jealous. But you know what I love about this? I don't know if any of you guys have your your girlfriends or maybe your mom that's in a different place, but you can get on the phone with them and you can talk about all the issues, and it just makes you feel better. So, like that's what Daphne and I are doing. We are connecting and we're gonna talk about all the issues right now. Um, and um, and hopefully we're gonna feel so much more relaxed. Yeah. All right, let's do our let's do our email. All right, this note is from Melissa. She said, I'm a first time mom with an
0: 18 month. Old baby girl, congratulations! Um, my daughter sleeps the night in bed at 7 30, up at 6 45. And after all the nighttime feedings in the beginning, I stopped sleeping through the night when she was five months. And sleep has never been the same a few hours, and that's about it. I saw my OB, a neurologist, and a GP. Everything checks out fine. No one has anything helpful to say melatonin, acupuncture, etc. Nothing really works. Ugh, has anyone ever heard of this happening? Thank you, Melissa. Um, Yeah, gosh, this is tough. It is tough because your body does adapt to the sleeplessness that can be. I mean, you're from, from the time at the end of your pregnancy when you're up every three hours to pee and your back hurts and you can't lie in one position for very long anyway, to the newborn months when you're, you know, feeding every hour to later in their, you know, early childhood when it's, it's nightmares and whatever. It's, it's, Your body stops being, my body stopped being able to sleep for long stretches at a time. And honestly, I don't get that many of them anyway, but you need your rest and you need to give your body a chance to recuperate for your immune health, for your brain functioning, for your just general overall level of energy and happiness. Um, I'm surprised to hear that, you know, that you've tried the melatonin route and that didn't help and the acupuncture didn't help. I'm wondering if maybe this is more of a... um, of a stress and anxiety feature. Like maybe your brain is still worrying as you're trying to fall asleep and that's what's giving you a really hard time. I know that for me, a rule that I've made for myself is that I, I will not turn on anything that's stimulating. Um, in the, in the 20 minutes before I go to bed. So that means I don't check my email. I don't check Instagram. I don't like look at a blue light thing that like a computer, for instance, that would, that a tells your brain to wake up, but B also just gives you things, whether it's good or bad, gives you things to think about as you're trying to just fall into a restful sleep. And, um, and, and sometimes the thing that still keeps me awake is this like running to do list I have in my head where I feel like I go, Oh, I got to remember to get this tomorrow and do this and da, da, da. And so I have also started keeping a journal next to my nightstand. It's just the aligned moleskin, um, you know, notepad. And I will write down all of those things as they're popping into my head. So I can just release them out of the, out of the, you know, echoing chamber in there.
1: Yeah, no, it's very smart. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a lot of it. We are, so in, in yoga, we always finish in Shavasana. We, we finish in a meditation. Some people take it seated, but most of the time you take it laying down. And, even if people, you know, don't go to sleep. So, what? okay, let me, let me step back. So people, uh, students that I've worked with who have trouble sleeping, um, first I'll go and I'll say, what's your alcohol intake? What's your caffeine intake? What's your sugar intake? Let's look at your diet. Um, and Daphne, you know that like you can have certain foods that can completely spike your energy or can put you like with alcohol they can put you to sleep for a certain period of time and then you wake up in the middle of the night. So I would say, number one, look at that and be really honest about it. You know what I mean? A lot of times people be like, oh, you know, caffeine doesn't bother me. I used to drink a lot of coffee and I would have trouble sleeping. And I'm like, oh, I'm one of these people that like caffeine, I don't feel it. But like obviously I was. And you know what? I took caffeine out for a while. I drink coffee now. But I took it out for a while, and it helped my sleep tremendously. And it was one of those things where I, that wasn't the answer that I wanted to hear because I wanted my cup of coffee. I wanted my many cups of coffee. But I really had to get honest with it. How much do you want sleep, and then how much you, are you willing to change? Um, and then so the other thing is so I what I recommend is – Do an activity. If you are somebody who exercises, do an activity that is going to make your body more tired. So whether that is a brisk walk, whether it's a run, whether it's a bike ride, whether it's taking a class, whether it's doing yoga, and then focus on your breath while doing that. So a lot of times when we are up in the middle of the night, not only are we up like Daphne said, maybe thinking about different things and different stress and anxiety, stuff that we don't even know that is upsetting us. Again, this is about really looking within and getting honest with what is going on. So if you can manage that through the day and practice, if you have like a practice, even if it's just for 10 minutes where you're breathing and you're moving and you can do it right before bed even when, you're, when your daughter is is asleep then your body is gonna to start to understand relaxation. Then when you lay there, so when you're up at, you know, whatever it is, three o'clock in the morning, when you're up, I want you to close your eyes, I want you to lay on your back, and then I want you to breathe and scan your body from the tip of your head to the tips of your toes all the way out to your fingers, and then I want you to see if you're really relaxed. And then I want you to breathe for another 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And then I want you to scan again. And you're going to see that you're holding on to so much. And when you can get your body to truly release, my guess is you will fall back to sleep. And if you don't fall back to sleep, let me tell you this as well. Laying in shavasana, laying in you know the corpse pose as we call it at the end of yoga class, even if you don't fall asleep, is extremely relaxing and you should feel better the next day. So yeah, get up, write things down that you're if you're like worried that you're going to forget something. I mean, where all this is mom brain, we all have mom brains, but then take care of your body and if you're up, it's that your muscles are tense, your breath is probably not relaxed and just try to soften in the places where you know first that you hold tension and then little by little start to discover places that you might be you might be hiding tension, whether that's your forehead, your jaw, your hands clenching, whatever it is, just try to release it from the body. And my guess is little by little you will find your sleep again.
0: One thing you just brought up that I think is really powerful too is the benefit of routine. Like all of us parents know how much our kids respond to routine. And certainly at bedtime, you know, they have dinner, they get a bath, they read books, we brush our teeth, we read books in bed, we, you know, say our prayers, we go to sleep. That helps to signal to their body, dim the lights, that it is time for bed. Mm -hmm. We're the same. We're human. And if you, if every night is different and frazzled and crazy, and then somehow you expect your body to be able to shut down and go to sleep comfortably, some people can do that, but it sounds like you're not one of them. And I feel like if you maybe start to create a little bit of a routine, and it can be 10 minutes, you know, 10... Drink this, drink a cup of herbal tea, um, you know, light a candle next to your bed or read from a book that you love for 10 minutes or, or, uh, you know, smell aromatherapy or if you have time, get in a bath, which is awesome. Um, and I just think having a little, having like a 20 minute period that is routine to you before you go to bed will signal to your body and you will slowly start to build that habit along with, um, along with what Hilari was saying of, recognizing tension in your body and then giving your body recognizable coping mechanisms for dealing with that stress.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it really is is – surprising how many people are surprised by how much tension they actually are feeling totally and they always say the same thing i didn't realize how tense and stressed out i was until i started feeling better so next time you're up in the middle of the night instead of getting frustrated and upset about it because that's just going to make the situation worse do a little bit of what Daphne was talking about do a little bit of what i'm talking about giving yourself tlc nobody else is awake You don't have to worry about anyone else but yourself. So if you want to get into a bath at 3 o'clock in the morning or you want to make yourself a cup of tea or whatever it is, give yourself a little TLC and make it a pleasant experience and your body will probably respond and go back to sleep. All right, Melissa, I hope that helps. Thank you so much for writing in. Okay, let's get to the next email. Mom, play. All right, email two. hi, Laria and Daphne. Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to the episode with Rebecca Minkoff. I have a three-month-old son and would love to hear you talk about how you went go about sleep training, how you introduced solids, and how you deal with parents, people having different approach to you than parenting. Thanks. Um, what did we say? Liss? Is this Liss? Liss? Yeah. Liss? Liss? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Um, the the sleep training you know what i i i don't know about you daphne but i get asked so often about how I teach my kids to sleep and you'll hear the same thing I've talked to like sleep experts and everything and you were going to find as a parent that your kids are going to go through periods of time where they sleep well and then all of a sudden something changes and you can give them a routine and you can you know give them limits and you can give them comfort and all the different things that people say with different opinions um of about sleep you know you'll have the people who say put them in a room and let them cry it out and then you have have the people say keep them in there in your bed with them with you until they're ready to move out. You know, there you can get really dizzy with, with everybody's opinion. Ultimately, get to know your kid. I think you can never go wrong with routine. I think d- d- never underestimate. I mean, obviously, your your son is is too young for this now, but but pretty soon, you know, once he's rounding to a year, explain everything to him. Some of the best advice was given to me by our, my pediatrician when I was you know dealing with certain things. She's like. Well why don't you just talk to Carmen? Just explain to her, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And they have this comfort in in you know regularity and routine. Um, So, you know, I I would say you're you're in it. You're dealing with, you know, weight gain and with for the baby and you are dealing with, um, you know, the solids are going to come soon. So their digestion is going to change. The teeth are going to come after that. You know, I mean, it's it's the first year is a year of usually very little sleep. Um, But you have to see what resonates with you and you have to see what resonates with your baby. All my babies are different sleepers. I have four completely different sleepers. Um, and you know, as Daphne, do you want to do you want to jump in on the sleep training before we go into the the solids? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I think you covered it exactly how I feel about it too. I, the only the only point I would make is that if you or your partner are not necessarily great sleepers, don't expect your kids to be much better. <laughs> one thing that I have certainly found is that my children, for better or for worse, we're, the verdicts out on Nika because she's still a really good sleeper, but she just turned one, so there's opportunity for things to change and you will find that even when you think you have the best sleeper in the world that you know throughout their young childhood, they'll change over and over and over again. Um, but my elders too love to be up like really early in the morning, just like my husband. So <laughs> that's the argument I make when I'm like, your turn. <laughs> um right. you know. But uh but you know, they're they are they're they're their own individual humans. I think the best thing that i found, and I do, I do believe in it can be difficult in the beginning and they definitely think they want to stay awake forever. But once my kids started sleeping well and sleeping through the night, I noticed material significant changes in their attitude, their behavior, their ability to learn, their own ability to self-soothe and and, and have sort of regulated responses to things. Um, sleep is critical, and I feel like um, it's also critical for for parents. So, like, if you want to co-sleep forever and ever, and it, and it doesn't phase you, or or you know, it's actually great for your family amazing. I'm so thrilled for that. For us, like I don't sleep when my baby's in the bed next to me, I'm just lying awake, staring at her the whole time. So if I don't sleep for a year, it's a problem. Um, <laughs> which, you know, which we, uh, which we, you know, we, as a family decided that the best thing for us was going to be to sleep train. And we normally, Philo actually sleep trained herself right about the seven month mark. Like literally we went away for a weekend, um, to a friend's house. And none of us really slept for like three days on end. And then, um, cause we were all, you know, all in the same bed and it was a new environment and the whole thing. And, uh, on the way home, she fell asleep and she didn't wake up until the next morning. And like, that was the end of it. She was just Amazing. sleeping. Through the night. It was crazy. It was, it was also such a gift for me as a mom, because especially as a first time mom, the idea of like listening to your baby cry is horrible. Hor- horrible. And, I mean, heartbreaking, you're crying, they're crying, the whole thing. And you think that it's, you think you want to go into their room because that will make them feel better. But then when you leave again, it's just starting the thing all over again. It's horrible. So a lot of moms I've spoken to are like, I just... I go away for the night or I go out to dinner. I let my husband put the baby to sleep uh, because for some reason, I guess men aren't like as phased by the wailing of babies. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe there's something biological in that. And, um, in any case with, with our, with our younger two, it, you know, very similarly, it, it's like two nights of torture. And then from that point on, they slept really beautifully. And, um, and it's look, I think it's the kind of thing where, um, where now that I see the result for us of, of their behavior and their attitude after the fact, it's it there's no question in my mind that sleep, however you come by it, whether it's the co-sleeping or the sleep trading or the um or the anything else that you find, you know, speaking to experts works for your family, um, the sleep the sleep part is what's critical. Um and I would also say that uh, you know, asking for tips and stuff on it, I think. Look, there's, there's a lot of experts out there on family sleep and baby sleep in particular. And I think that, um, you know, the most helpful one is for you as the mom, you're the expert in this child, to hear the difference, right? Like to, to hear, I mean, there's, there's cries because they're hungry or their diaper's dirty or they, you know, they're, something's wrong. And then there's cries of just like, come get me, you know? And, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think that you... Um, Just, just be okay. Be okay with the fact that like, this is, this is something that you've made a choice to do because it's what's best for your family. And don't, I don't let yourself feel like you, you owe some explanation to anyone. If you want to do it for your, for your kid and for yourself, like you're allowed to do that and you're not harming them and you're not doing something bad, um, and,
1: yeah, that's what I would say. I, I, co- I co-sleep with my kids um, during the first year while I'm nursing. And it wasn't anything that I set out to do. It was literally like I was just it's easier. tired to, like, breastfeed yeah. them, put them down. Then as soon as I got down, then they, like, start crying and I'd have to get up. And that up and down. For me, it's I the hard nights are when I actually have to get out of my bed. Absolutely. So it was easier for me just to have them in bed with me, and then the days where I have to get out of my bed is when one of my older kids has a nightmare or isn't feeling well. But like that's not very often now. I'm very very lucky with that. But we will go through phases with that. Um, so, but I am a stationary sleeper. I am a very light sleeper, and so is Alex. So it feels safe. Um, I don't recommend it for for everybody. Um, but I think ultimately whether it's this decision or or some or the other millions of decisions you have to make as a parent, you have to feel your way through it. You need to know yourself. You need to know your child. And and you'll know, even if it's, you know, the, every, everybody hates hearing the baby cry to sleep. Um, some people feel so solid about that decision of doing that for three nights that they feel that it's worth it. And if that's what feels right for you, don't let anyone, um, you know, shame you about it. If you have to make the right decision for your family, you are the boss. And, and you know, that's what we're doing on this podcast. We're going around and we're getting lots of different opinions. We're ripping yeah. ideas. You're the mom boss. It, you, are the, you, are the mom, you are the mom boss. That's the, that's the best thing about this podcast is we all get to be the boss. Yes. yes. Like, I'm the boss of my family. You're the boss of your family. And then nobody else can shame you about it. No judgments here. Um, and then I so,
0: want to yeah? just jump in really fast on the solid foods part before we we move on to the next. Yeah. Um, because I I think this is a really interesting topic because people are confused sometimes. There there's like there's lots of stuff out there on what the best food to start with is. Some people um think it's an egg yolk, like a a a, a five-minute cooked egg yolk. Some people think it's, um, you know, the grains, like the little, the little rice bran thing that you can buy. Some people think it's just a vegetable or just a fruit. Um, I tend to fall into the camp of I do as a first food. I often have done, um, mashed avocado loosened up with some breast milk or, um, or a mashed a sweet potato loosened up with some breast milk. I try not to do fruits first only because I want my kids to be exposed to, a more savory option first than a sweet option because I think it's, it's really easy to love sweets. I think you want to expose their taste buds from day one to, um, to a less sweet option so that they love both. Um, but I mean, I, I did the egg yolk thing with phyllo and the, the idea there is that, egg yolks are rich in these healthy brain building and eye building fats. And that if you're buying an organic free range egg, um, and, uh, you know, giving them a little bit of that egg yolk. And again, you can thin it out with breast milk because otherwise they can choke on it too. Um, but it should still be runny and loose like that, that you're giving them this wonderful first nutrition. That's amazing. Um,
1: That's the first food that you gave.
0: It wasn't the first food that I gave up, but I, but lots of people I know have, It was their first, wow. it was definitely within the first month though. It, oh, so, I, so I, I started feeding. isn't that wild? I, when I was reading mm. about it, I was like, this is amazing. Um, I don't start solids till six months. Um, and then I, yeah, I do, I do single foods for the first month. So just one vegetable or just one fruit, and I will, um, lightly steam it and puree it if it needs, like, you know, if it's, if it's something that's harder to break down, like, uh, like zucchini or something like that, or mango even, um, I will lightly steam and then puree it. Well, you
1: know what was my, you know, our pediatrician told us, um, that eating in the first year, it should be predominantly either breast milk or formula, whatever you're doing. And then everything else is play. It's tasting. It's developing a, pal- a a taste palette. When I start um, solids, I always um, start with rice cereal in breast milk. I mean, I'm very old-fashioned that way. I, I'm a weird combination of, like, hippie, yogi, and then, like, I have my, like, very, like, weird, more traditional, old-fashioned side. So I always start with that. Then I'll go to, like, oatmeal. We try the multigrain. I really like the Earth's Best um, cereal. I find it's very easy. The kids really like it. Um, and then – I get really obsessed with the high allergy foods because I'm terrified mm-hmm. of, I mean, as any mother is, of anything happening to my kids. Yeah. So um, I will, for, in terms of nuts, let's just talk about peanuts because um, that's one of the first foods that I introduced to them. As they, there's new, te- new studies that say that introducing peanuts to them earlier actually helps allergies. Yep. So what I do is when I'm pregnant, I eat peanuts. When I'm nursing, I eat peanuts. Yes. And then I'll start doing the thing where I'll have peanuts in my hands and I'll touch my baby. So even just like the skin. And then we do something where on the way to the doctor for the (laughs) six-month visit, this is how crazy I am. I literally put a little bit of peanut butter on their tongue as I'm walking into the doctor. So that you're with in a safe place. I am in a safe place that if anything happens we will be okay. So like once we do that, then you know, then I kind of chill out a little bit with the other ones. But if there's certain foods that you're That you're worried about, I think it's a kind of a great way to do it. Be like, hey, I'm. I wouldn't know necessarily what to do if my child all of a sudden, you know, the throat starts to swell up. I don't. I to be honest, I don't know what I would do. So I'm going to try to be in a place where other people will know what to do and we'll (laughs) right. (laughs) See, problem solved. Um, I like that. But and then so what I do like Romeo right now. He just turned seven months on Monday or on on the seventeenth of December. So I don't know when this is going to be out. So he just turned he just turned seven months on the 17th of December and you know almost every single day he gets a nut butter mixed in with his cereal so I'll do breast milk some kind of whole grain cereal Um, now I'm starting to put some spinach in there as well sometimes I'll do coconut water Um, and then I'll do every three days I'll do another high allergy food so I'll write down a list of high allergy foods whether it's like strawberries egg any of these kinds of things I'll write it down soy and then I every three days I try a new food Um, and it just feels kind of safe. That's
0: super, it's super interesting, um, as a way to just like isolating the test of whether your baby's allergic to any one particular thing. Like I actually, because Philo had such a, like when she would have strawberries, her face would turn bright red. She'd have these like blotchy rashes all over her face and her body. Um because of her, I didn't give either my next two children strawberries until they were like 10 months old, except for, I would give them those strawberry yogurt drops that they love. But, um, but other than that, I really, um, I really steered clear of a lot of, of strawberry mm-hmm. and of citrus, oh, another thing that she had a real issue with. Um, but like blueberries they loved and raspberries actually were fine and bananas and melon and everything. Um, I think something that I would just say to myself, and that's why I would say it again to any mom friends and you guys, it's, it's, um, you know, you're, you're, you're creating a little human eater. Like you don't need to be super, super precious and careful about, um, about, uh, once they are, you know, nine months, call it, and they've tried different foods and different combinations, and you can be assured that they're not allergic to something,
1: then right. make the food delicious.
0: Yes. I like I at around that, around that nine, 10 month mark, I start just pureeing yeah. the food that the family's eating, as long as it's not super spicy, but you know, garlic, they like it or onion, they like it a little bit of spice. They're into it. Um, you know, a little bit of like even, you know, a macaroni and cheese type of thing. I'll sometimes blend that together with a little bit of a formula or breast milk and put that in front of them. And, and just, them like play with the food and touch it and get messy. We don't realize sometimes how much of that kind of old fashioned wisdom around taking care of babies is actually so important. Now we understand the science of it, the developmental milestones they're meeting, the sensory, um, just having that sort of like feeling of gook all over yourself, that that's a really important sensory development um, opportunity for kids.
1: Let them Let them play. Let, let, let food, let eating be pleasurable. I mean, so much, so many of us grow up to have issues with foods on one side or the other side. So just let it be a fun, delicious experience. Again, just, you know, start, start slow, make sure you feel comfortable about how you're introducing high allergy foods and then have fun with it. Um, and then, and again, do make sure that whether you are formula feeding or breastfeeding, that the majority of their intake is coming from those two sources that I've always heard that that's very important. Um, and then, you know, the, you know, the last part of this, uh, the last part of this email, we've touched on it a little bit is just how do you, how do we, you approach different, you know, different people's ideas on parenting. And, and this is ultimately why Daphne and I created this podcast that we wanted to create a place where we can just riff different ideas and it can be no judgments and we are really trying to think about all the different subjects. So please email us more, mombrainpod at gmail.com because we are loving hearing from you and your thoughts and we're all girlfriends here. We're all just like trying to figure it out together and what works for me might be different than what works for Daphne, might be works differently for you. Um, so you know, I, I think that ultimately you really have to take a deep breath and realize you know for better or for worse you are in charge and you know you can go and listen to everybody's different ideas out there but you have to do what feels yeah. right and, for you. and I think
0: like I think that's something we need to recognize and and I I found this to be true on social media and I think it resonates here is a lot of the time people just want to say something to say something like they just want to Maybe they don't have anyone who listens to them in their real life. Maybe they don't have an opportunity to feel valued or valuable in other ways. So if they feel like they have an expert or an expertise that they can share from in the parenting category and you're just like a ready, willing and able candidate for them, they're going to tell you everything they have to tell you. And you, first of all, are under zero obligation to take their advice or to think it's better than what you were already doing on your own. And that's the beauty of, of, of mom brain is, yeah, you get to listen to all these different perspectives and so much great information. And then you get to cherry pick what's, what sounds right to you and what feels good in your gut and what works for your family. Um, and the same is true of unsolicited advice or frankly, like, you know, if you and your mom butt heads on the best way to raise your baby, guess what? She can have that opinion, but at the end of the day, she gets to go home and be grandma and you're still mom on the ground. And I think that that's ultimately, you know, give yourself that authority to, to, and also a little bit of like a, a little bit of like a flip the finger, not to your mom, but to like to people who think that you, you owe them some explanation or you owe, you just, des- you need their approval. You don't need their approval. Like you get to take great care of your baby, love them, be good to yourself and have fun in the experience of motherhood. And, um, and no one can take that away from you unless you let them. So have, have fun with it.
1: You can only know, you can only know what you know when you know it. You can only yeah. do it with the best of intentions. And yes, we are all going to hear from our kids one day how we messed up. And you know, I know. What? Then Daphne and I will have but the Mom Brain so podcast hard. for that one. <laughs> In 20 years, we'll come around and we're going to do a therapy group for us. Of like, we tried so hard and we still didn't get it right. All right. Email number three. Daphne, hit it.
0: This is a best Hi, thank you for creating a podcast for moms. That is honest, funny, and so non-judgmental. praise hands emoji. My question situation. I am the mom of a two-year-old boy. We've been successfully breastfeeding for two years. Amazing. I'm doing a little, I'm doing a little commentary on the side. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, We we have been co-sleeping since he was born. And that was a result that has resulted in night nursing. I don't have a problem with that. It's kind of it's kind of the new norm, but we are at a point where my husband is talking a lot of our son needing to have his own room. I get it. I do. But how do I transition him one off the boob, two away from mom, three into his own room and sleeping through the night. I feel like that's a tall order, but I know I need to start the process and I want to do it in a gentle, non-stressful way. Hello. You sound Thanks like again. me. <laughs> I know you need to, you need to like, tell us all about this. Cause I, I stopped breastfeeding around that eight, nine month mark And I largely do that because like I'm ready to have my body back, but also because they're a little bit too young to know what they're missing at that point. Once you take it away, we're like after the one year mark, they're just like, wait a second. I used to have this incredible boob in my mouth all the time. Where is it? So Hilaria, take it away.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, let me take it away. So this is something that's really difficult because I am that person that if my kids cry, I go into their room. And I, I haven't figured out if it is a strength of mine or a weakness, but it is a reality, 100% a reality. Um, I do night nurse. Um, I have gotten pregnant when almost each time when the baby is around one while breastfeeding. So, that actually, with most of them, that has given me the ability to wean because your breast milk changes. Um, you get less of it. Um, I got pregnant with Leo when Rafa was six months old. So, there was a little bit of an earlier um, shift with that. And, you know, it, it is painful. You know, there is a, a very special bond, obviously, between mother and, and child. Um, and um, having them not sleep with me, I love it so much. I mean, I literally cradle my baby. All night long, and I love it. Um, At the same time, you have to remember that your husband loves you too, Um, and that's something that I have to remind myself all the time. Um, And I, you know, actually, I don't have to remind myself all the time because he tells me that a lot. Um, But you know, I I think that you know, it's not what I was. Okay, let me put it this way: what I was afraid with Carmen when I when I weaned her because she's the only person, the only of my children that I actually thoughtfully weaned like I I, the other ones I let them wean themselves and with her I weaned her and it was very traumatic and I was sure that she wasn't going to need me anymore. And I was sure that my relationship all of a sudden was going to change. Like here we have this great bond and we sleep together every single night. And she, you know, I am her food and all of this. And all of a sudden she's not going to nurse anymore and she's going to love my husband. And I'm going to be like a thing of the past. I don't know. I was very emotional. I was also pregnant. Um, But it was very dramatic. And um, and what I realized is when we did when we did the weaning, um, which was a lot of crying on both of her our parts. It was not well done, um, and putting her in her bed. Um, I realized that she actually still liked me, and that the sun did come up the next day, and everything was okay. And Carmen and I are still like you know BFFs. So I I would say number one, you know realize that you can take your time with this. Do it on you don't don't rush anything. But at the same time, always remember that it's going to be okay. And your relationship with your child just keeps on getting better and better and better. And so that was the biggest fear for me of stopping to breastfeed. Um, and, you know, I, with the other ones, it was a much more natural process where they were less interested and you know or you can distract them um little by little night night nursing is a little bit more difficult because they get into the custom the habit of nursing as comfort when they wake up um you know i did i will lay with carmen or my or my sons when they go to sleep at night um that's not what everybody does but i will go and actually physically put them to bed um and i found that that was um that that was helpful for creating for for making that change um lovies any kind of you know stuffy that that gives them comfort as well um but again this is something where of detachment i mean weaning is is wonderful because you get to have your body and your bed back but at the same time can be a little sad and you know it's the it's the end of of something really great that the two of you guys had and and the fact that you did it for two years is just is just really incredible and and inspiring and and you have a very lucky little boy
0: Totally. It's totally going to be okay. You did a great job. You are doing a great job. There will be so many other ways for you and your baby to bond in addition to this incredible two years that you've had. And the one thing I would say about your husband, because I do this in my relationship and I think it's really important, is to remember that you guys, your relationship is the foundation of the family. And the happier and more invested and more um, loving that you feel in that, the more your children or your son will feel from that. And- Um, if your husband's asking you for the bed back or he's asking you for this attention, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not nothing. I think it's something that you should pay attention to because he deserves some of you too. And I know as moms, it can feel like we're just being stretched thin. There are so many people who need from us and need like real emotional give from us. Um, but it's a balancing act and we're good. We're good at it. And we're, we're up to the challenge. Um, and I would just say, Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't shy away from the fact that like as much as you love and crave this bonding time with your son, that you're, that you're, that you and your husband both deserve that time to be with each other too. So,
1: okay. (laughs) All right. On to our next email. Yay. This is a really interesting question. Listen to this email. I had a recent thing happen this past week with my husband. So I recently picked up an overnight job because I don't want to put my daughter in childcare, and I love staying home with her. But I also feel like I want to contribute, even though financially I don't have to. I have one daughter and I've always been the primary parent, but this past week I realized how bad it may have gotten. Oh, there's a face that looks very unhappy. I'm an emoji face. I got a call around 2 a.m. from my husband, freaking out because Scarlett woke up screaming, which is pretty rare, and he had no clue how to take care of her or even comfort her. He got to the point of wanting me to walk out of my job right then and to come home and take care of her. Emoji with a hand on the head. My question, I guess, is how do I teach him mom skills? Also, how do I avoid this type of thing from ever happening again? <laughs> they will wake up many times. Um, thanks. I can't wait to listen to the upcoming podcast. Oh boy, Daphne. Well, I mean, don't you feel? T- tell me, tell me what you think about this. You know, the, the basic idea is that you're you're the mom, and you've left the house, and the your husband, the father, has not um, doesn't have experience with dealing with this. Um, but I think some part of it has to be that she has to have hope. If she wants to have this job, she needs to hold out hope um, and the understanding that he can do it. And it might be hard. Right. If, if Scarlett's mommy um, has never given her husband an
0: opportunity to have to step in before and soothe Scarlett or, you know, help get her back to sleep or feed her or change her, all the other things that go into um, raising babies – it's not really fair to then just expect him to intuitively understand. It's not intuitive. You you do pick up on the job. You do um, you know, learn your baby's unique personality and the things that uniquely soothe him or her by doing it over and over and over. And you have trial and error. And look, it sucks. It sucks when you're like, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. I'm totally at my wit's end. And when you have to go through that experience when they're really tiny and you're the and they're in their newborn phase, like. At a certain point, they they fall asleep, and you get to reset, and you try it again, and you figure out what works. When you're trying to have him do that, and she's, I'm get, I guess, probably a couple months old, maybe maybe more, maybe a year old. Um, you know, it's it's a very different animal that you're dealing with, and he's never had an opportunity to learn on the job, and it's a confidence thing. Like a lot of the time, if your baby's just having an absolute meltdown, but you've dealt with this before, you have the confidence to know you're going to know how to get through it, or that it, or that this too shall pass. And I feel like. On the one hand, it's super frazzling to you to be called at work at 2 a.m. and be expecting, have him expect you to come home and, uh, you know, abandon your responsibilities there because he can't figure out how to put your baby back to sleep. But, um, I think the best solution going forward, if this were in my house is, is for you to, you know, whenever your next time off is, maybe it's the weekend or whatever, you guys do the jobs together. So he gets to see you do it and it sucks because then no one gets a break, but, those two or three days that you'll spend going through the motions together will equip him with some of the skills that you've learned along the way and will ultimately give you the freedom to have this job without feeling like every time you leave the house it's gonna, you know, everything's gonna go to hell.
1: Yeah, I mean and you know what it is? It's also develop allowing, you know, your husband and Scarlett to develop a relationship. Totally. Like there is and you and that's hard because I know that no one's gonna change the diaper the way that I want it to be. No one is going to feed the babies. Nobody's going to, to bathe them. No the brushing the teeth thing, I'm I'm like crazy about that too. And a lot of being a, a mom who is not a not a single mom is allowing your partner to do it differently. Even when you're like cringing, you're like, Okay, I wouldn't have done it that way. But you need to give, you know, your your husband and Scarlet time to bond. And she she this is new for her as well and part of the freak out might be hey wait i'm my mommy Who is are always here exactly <laughs> my mommy is always here and she's not here right now and i want my mommy right now so i hope that you know you're you have I hope that your husband is going to be able to, you know, say, okay, I got this. Um, it, I know it's going to be difficult. I know there's going to be, you know, it's a sh- it's a shift in my responsibilities, but this is something that I want to do. Now, if this is something that you guys decide is not right and you working overnight is not a good idea, then, you know, maybe go back to it in a year if you say that it's financially something that you don't have to do. I mean, you you have to feel it out. But I I strongly believe that if this is something that your husband wants and it's something that you want that within a relatively short period of time You guys will figure it out. You know, I mean, my my baby can be totally fine. And then if I get home from work and I walk in the room, Romeo is all of a sudden like screaming and wants me, Um, you know, or sometime in the the night, he just he just crying and crying and crying. You know, if I'm not night, but like if Alec and I are out in an event and there and he's with the babysitter and as soon as I go home and I pick him up, everything is fine. And it wasn't that he wanted to eat. It wasn't that he, he literally just wanted his mommy. And we have to remember that we are animals. And, you know, you'll look if you go, like Google pictures of gorillas or koalas and their babies or otters and the babies are always on top of their mommy. You know, we have this very different way of being as humans where we go off and we work, which is wonderful. I mean, I love my job. But at the same time, I have to realize that that our children are they are They're not. Wired that way, and so it's a matter of teaching them that that's the way of our world, and that's the way that we do it. Um, just know that if you're not a bad mommy for working. That you know your your husband probably is totally capable of doing this as long as he's on board with it. Um, and um, and then if it seems like it's not working right now, revisit it later.
0: Um, and and uh, and just one thing I remembered as we were talking about this a couple of years ago, there was a big New York Times article about how how the way that dad's parent and it's like a little bit a lot of a lot more playful um and you know some rough housing and just those sort of like some moms we sit there and we roll our eyes and we're like you're riling the kids up and you know, stop it and especially right before bed which is so not helpful um yeah. yes. but this yes. but this big study was saying that it's critical for kids to have those two different inputs that like and and not that they have to necessarily come from two different people but that those two different inputs of like the structure and the comp- the confidence in routine and the um the expected you know caretaker that role needs to be there and then the the role of the kind of like Rough housing, playful older brother idea also needs to be there. And I, just for the way that their brains develop and the way that they learn the social interaction and the way that they have fun and all of those things coming into play. So I think just to, to, to close out on this, I think something that maybe will be an unanticipated benefit of this new change, this recent change in your family is yes, your Scarlett and your, your husband will bond and maybe they will come up with strategies and secrets and routines and special things that they do that you're not involved with. And I know that's, that sounds kind of like, Oh, but what, but what? I mean, that's sad, but it's also wonderful because it gives them something special the way that you guys have something special. You and your daughter have something special. And, um, anyway, I think it's, I think it will be good in the long term. I just give him a few, give your husband a few ways to succeed. It's always good to give people ways to succeed when you're asking them to do something new, um, and, and help and support him through it. And, um, and then he'll be able to help and support you through through this exciting new life change for you too.
1: He should be excited about it. He is
0: excited. I mean, he'll, he'll get he'll get through. It. Okay, email five. This is a best. So the question is: I'm I'm pregnant with my third, and I wasn't admitted to my last hot yoga class. Um, but I'm only six weeks pregnant. What yoga moves can I do, and what which ones shouldn't I be doing?
1: Thank you. Okay. Um. So I would say the first the first thing to to check in with yourself is did you do hot yoga with the other ones Um, you know a lot of these studios are going to be very 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 conservative because ultimately it's a business and they don't want to get sued so that's just something that you have to understand. Um, and we sign a waiver every single time we go into any kind of fitness class. Um, you know, I mean, for yourself, if, if it ends up being something where you can't do hot yoga, let me tell you, I am a fitness enthusiast, as it sounds like you are as well. And it's really hard to make a change. Um, and, you know, with Carmen, with my first one, I completely stopped doing everything that I that I was doing before. I stopped like running and cycling and doing. all. I, wore, I tried to wear a heart monitor at one point because I was told that you should and get your heart above I forget exactly what it was and that fortunately I wasn't very good at the heart monitor thing because I would have obsessed about it um, and you know that was that pregnancy that was my first time and I was really really careful I did tons of yoga I did some bar um, and then with my three boys I I'm a runner I continued to run until it felt like it wasn't right for me anymore so I, I ran for you know Six months, I think, maybe, it typically with them. I think a little bit less with my last one um, just because it was uncomfortable. I mean, I listened to my body. Now, hot yoga, my thoughts on, on doing hot yoga with pregnant. I know that some people do it. I also know that it's extraordinarily important that you stay hydrated while you're pregnant. And hot yoga is extremely dehydrating. Um, you, you might, you know, the, the hot yoga community might get very angry at me for saying that. But let's remember, and this is your third baby, so this is not anything that's new for you, is that you can have this baby and then you can go back to how your body was before and I think as fitness people or I mean maybe as you know any mom we kind of get worried about that even each time around hey it's like well what's going to happen this time and I, I haven't had a c-section but like you know this last time with Romeo it was the closest I ever got to a c-section because I had extra waters every pregnancy is different and and it's a scary experience of how your body is changing so much especially when you're very focused on being in control of your body um, through fitness so I would say If you don't, if you can't do hot yoga, try a vinyasa class, try, you know, um, any kind of cardio that feels like it's safe um, between you and your doctor. What it, you know, it, again, your doctor is going to know this pregnancy better than you know Daphne and me in terms of giving you advice on a podcast. Um, so you always want to make sure that you are doing what is right with this particular pregnancy. Uh, yoga moves that you cannot do, I will I will tell you that is you're not supposed to twist while you're doing yoga um, and you're pregnant. Um, and just that idea of you have something growing in your uterus and wringing your uterus out is frowned upon. Um, you, I would say as well, you know, as the, your belly gets bigger in a little bit, you can't lay on your belly. Um, I don't do um, I don't do crunches when I'm pregnant and I, I think that your belly is going to naturally grow and then it will go back and you will have plenty of time to do crunches later. And I think that the more crunches you do, the more chance of having abdominal split. Um, So anyway, I would listen to your body, chat with your doctor about it. And the other thing I do know is if you do want to go to that particular hot yoga class, have your doctor write a letter because sometimes that's what they need. They just need you. They just need a doctor's approval for you to go in. But it just sounds like they are mostly worried about getting sued. Best of luck. All right. Here's our next email. Hello. My question, you guys, is how do you go about empowering your husband to partake in making parenting decisions? My husband is so awesome and helpful, but sometimes he will ask things like, can she eat this? Or when should she be doing X, Y, or Z? He has a son that is 11, but because of his circumstances, he didn't get to experience the baby years. So our six-month-old daughter is really his first experience in hands-on parenting. I currently stay home with her because we just moved across the country and I haven't found a job yet, but I'd love to not be solely responsible for medical decisions, daycare, for when I go back to work, finding a new babysitter, what foods to try and when, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I said, he's very hands-on. He does most nights' feedings. Oh, that's so nice nice um my husband doesn't well i guess he doesn't have boobs so i guess it's fine right although there's bottles sorry okay i digress he does most night feedings because i think he misses her during the day and also does a good amount of reading and googling when we're at a loss does around sorry i'm sorry my eyes um does a lot of reading and googling for when we're at a loss for what is going on with her it's such a double-edged sword because i know he completely trusts my judgment but it would be nice for him to at least have an opinion about some of the decisions we have to make. Thank you for doing a podcast. I've found a few uh, different mommy communities online and it's amazingly helpful. Have a wonderful day, Samantha. Um, so Samantha, I think, that, can I just tell you something? It sounds like you have a really amazing partner to do this with. And I feel like when he's asking these questions, I could be, I could be wrong. Okay. Obviously this is, you know, us answering you from, from afar, but it, I, feel like when he's asking you you know he he just he's just concerned and he doesn't know and there is a difference of that I think that the baby like came out of you and you know he feels that you have like this tremendous authority which is also kind of a good thing as well because if you are very specific about how you like things to be done it's nice to have somebody check in with you I think that I think in a relationship, um, there are no bad questions when it comes to parenting. Just like on this podcast, there are no bad questions. We are we we talk about everything. Um, so if it simply is him, you know, having questions, I think it's not it's not a bad It's not a bad thing. It sounds like he's he's trying hard to to Google stuff. And, you know, the fact that he's getting up at the night in night and doing um, night feeding. I mean, I, I think that that's really incredible. And I think that the more patient you are and, you know, as you're daughter gets older, um, they're going to more and more develop a relationship and he'll probably get more comfortable with it. I mean, you don't want him to step too far out of his comfort zone and be afraid to ask something um, because, you know, he's trying to over overdo it and impress. I don't know, Daphne, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I I mean, look, I, I actually am I'm so in favor of the conversation it sounds like you guys are having where on the one hand he has the time and the, and the, um, you know, instinct or, or my gosh, why am I blanking on this word? he wants to go and research. He is getting online and like reading a bunch of things, which can can actually take you down a rabbit hole sometimes too. But at the very least, he's being proactive about it. And he's trying to gather this information and trying to equip himself with that and make himself feel more capable and confident. And I think you you hit the nail on the head where this is his first go round at getting to be a part of the baby stage. And maybe he feels like he missed that the first time around and that it in some way, you know, impacted the confidence he had as his older child got older. And uh, in terms of being, being a parent and, and being the the best parent for, for her. And I think now what you see is him trying to make sure that he's doing everything he can to ensure that he, um, can help you through this, this phase and also, um, you know, help himself feel like the best dad he can be. And I think, um, I get it. I get that it can be, that it can feel like, well, this is a lot of pressure on one parent and one person in this relationship to make all the decisions and have all the responsibility and, um, and have it all come down to me. I want a partner in this. And I think that's kind of what he's asking for. I think he's saying, you know, m- maybe give him, I-, I don't know the specific scenarios that you're working through, but maybe give him an opportunity where he's researched something and he's like, you know, I really think we should try, I don't even know what, uh, X. And I think you can say to him, well, why? Like, let him talk through why, he, what research he's done and why he thinks it's the best idea. And give him a way to feel confident in that, so that he starts to build up that idea that like he's a part of this decision making. That you don't have all the answers. That's so
1: smart. A really
0: tricky thing for all of us to come to terms with is like we're expected to have all the answers, but we don't. (laughs) And, um, And on the one hand, it's so wonderful that he has that confidence in you. And on the other hand, I get from your perspective why you'd be like, but hang on, I want you to be. I want you to be as involved in this as possible. I think the best way to get him to do that is to build his confidence, to encourage him to keep doing the things that maybe you don't have time to do or can't do um and uh, and let him support you in that way and then uh, slowly but surely you'll build you'll you'll build each other's um, you'll build the, the synchronicity of your relationship, which I think is really important here.
1: I think that's so smart, Daphne. And then you know what I'll I'll see with some of my girlfriends who have similar relationships of what you're what you're describing is notice how you respond to when he comes up with something as well. Are you dismissive of it? Are you like? No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. You know, I'll, I'll have some of my girlfriends. They'll say, oh, "I wish my husband would, you know, be more involved in like medical decisions and vaccines and all this, their food or whatever it is." And then the moment when they come to say, hey, you know what, I think that we should do X, Y, and Z, you're like, oh, no, 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 that's not going to happen. So make sure, you might not be doing that, but I know that it's very, very common. So then the next time, you know, your husband is going to come back and he's going to be like, well, should we do this? Because they're afraid of getting, of getting shut down. down. And don't be afraid to talk about it with him. You know what I mean? Maybe you're doing that already, but talk to him and say, hey, are you nervous about this? And, and you know what, his answer is probably going to be like, absolutely, I'm really, really nervous because having a baby especially you know if this is first time around with with the baby years having a baby is scary you know keeping a little person alive is it's a lot Um, and yes babies are resilient and I feel like as as mothers sometimes we have a little bit more of a a natural instinct with it Um, but that doesn't mean that that our husband's that our husbands can't. So I mean I think that the more that you open up and you know ask ask him about this and then at the same time, notice your response for when he is you know taking the reins um, and make sure that it is um, loving and accepting. even if his idea is terrible, you know, just be like, okay, well, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> what about if we do this? Totally. I love that. I
0: think that's absolutely spot on.
1: Good luck, Samantha. Thank you, Samantha. This next email is spectacular. I know that you guys are all thinking about what this woman is writing about in her next email. Yay! Hi, I love your podcast. I'm a new mom. My daughter was born this past August. I've been nursing for the past four months and I was wondering... What will really happen once I decide to stop? Will my boobs ever go back to how they were, pre-pregnancy, tiny and perky? Please tell me that they will go back, lol, Kimberly. Okay, Kimberly, let me tell you. We're gonna have the boob conversation. Everybody thinks that I have a boob job. We're just gonna get really honest. Everybody thinks that I've had a boob job, and I haven't. I have just been nursing forever. Um, But let me tell you, so I do have periods of time when I'm pregnant. And I stopped nursing. Again, I've so, okay, wait. Backtrack, Ilaria. backtrack. Okay, I got pregnant nursing each baby. So obviously not Carmen because she's the first. But I got pregnant nursing her, Rafa, Leo. And so far, not pregnant. Um, so, but I do wean them through the first couple months of my pregnancy. And then I have a period of a handful of months where I'm not nursing. They are not as nice as they were pre-pregnancy. They do get smaller and droopier and it's just really like sad. So anyway, I would say that is me who's had four babies and has nursed four babies. um, And I started breastfeeding five years ago. A little over five, five and a quarter to be exact, as Carmen will tell you that she is five and a quarter. Um, so just so just be aware that it is something, um, you know, I'm a big believer that your body can, you know, go back to something that's very similar to how how you were. But I feel like the boob situation and the extra skin on your belly. Those are the two things that I haven't figured out yet. How about you, Daphne? Yeah, you can
0: see the face that I'm making. It's just like a, yeah, it's like just a like sad. It's <laughs> sad. It's, a,
1: it's a sad. It's it, just sad.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what I will say? Your boobs are going to be different. It's it's a it's a given fact. Um, you know, for whatever reason, like the volume changes and they get saggier and the nipples change. It all changes. That said, you can either. Love those. I had, I, had a, I, had a guy, I had a guy friend who, who called them, not mine particularly yet per se, but eventually they might get there. He said, he called them sad beagle ears. I was like, I was like, I was like only you, only you man would ever say that to him. Um, but I will say, either you can learn to love them, or you can get a boob job, which I hope is somewhere in my future when I'm done breastfeeding.
1: Um, yeah, my, I mean, actually, I'm <laughs> totally open to it. You would be open to it, yeah? I would Definitely. be totally, I'm totally open to open it. To it. I'm totally. I want to wear like a really hot string
0: bikini, like you know those triangles that yes. I used. To, I used to have like fifty awesome triangle bikinis. You could not pay me to put them on right now. So, um, so going back to that, and the loose skin on the stomach, not great. But um, but I will say we have so many examples in the world right now of women who are in the best shape of their lives at like forty and fifty and sixty. And I think, I think um, it's so admirable and so wonderful to see that like. Yeah, maybe your shape is different. You maybe your you know your rib cage is wider, your hips are wider, whatever. It's you look different than you did at twenty. But guess what? At twenty, you look different than you did at twelve. And like, there's something to be said yeah. for you're you're supposed to evolve. Your body's supposed to change its shape and um and taking care of yourself and making yourself feel good and giving yourself ways to feel beautiful. And by the way, making sure that like you have people around you who tell you you're beautiful because sometimes you just need to hear that. Like that's important too. So.
1: They're, they're. and I think I think you also have to figure out are it is are your boobs that important too you? you know what I mean like there are some people that just like don't they're they're like okay fine my boobs used to be like this way I know that way there and I'm like totally fine with the fact that they are beagle ears <laughs> so <laughs> said, <"That's> amazing. <laughs> uh, um I don't know if I'm gonna be that person and I have to say that I think that there is an element of me getting pregnant so quickly because I'm so afraid of what's gonna happen to my boobs, after. once the after, I'm I am I am afraid of it. I would if you are thinking about um, doing, you know, getting a boob job at one point. I would suggest. Um, from what I've heard, um, doing it after you're done having kids and after you're done nursing, because I think it's just a lot on your body if you add that extra mass there yes. and then your boobs are getting bigger and smaller. And if you decide to nurse or if you don't, even if you don't, you're, I mean, there's just a lot going on there. And then I think that what I've heard that that can require more surgeries. I've also heard that people who have had breast implants um, have difficulty nursing um, I'm, I've heard some people can do it, but I think it does like add in a whole other equation to it. Um, and, you know, I mean, if any of you have nursed, you you know how hard it is, um, period. Then, But then if you add, you know, another thing like an implant into it. I think it can be even more. But I think that this is a really going to be a really, really great question for when we bring on um, our dermatologist, our cosmetic dermatologist um, friend that uh, we'll probably be able to speak to. I mean, Daphne and I are just like, this is like chats that we have with our girlfriends and stuff like that and different things that I know I have Googled. I don't know about you, Daphne. Of course. Definitely Googled (laughs) boobs after nursing a million children. (laughs) What is possible? how low will they actually be
0: (laughs) 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 waistline yes absolutely all of it so we will dive into that more on a future episode
1: it's a great question and now it's time for our favorite things now it's time for our favorite thing yes so my favorite thing this week is the kiki lu backpack it's a diaper uh, bag that is a backpack and it's extraordinarily helpful because I have many children and even with one it's nice to have my hands free and so when I have you know I'll put the baby in the front pack and then I can put the backpack on my back and then I can hold on to Rafa and Leo in either hand and then Carmen just has to behave herself and stay nearby as I'm walking through the city um, so it's kind of how I manage with four kids but even if not I mean I, I brought it to Here to work today, I have my breast pump in it, so it's a vegan bag as well. So it is not made out of leather, Um, and it's really cute. You know, I get so many people asking me who don't have children at all, "What is this backpack?" Um, and that they would like to have one and it's, it's, it's kind of like a purse that you would wear in a back. I think it ha- you can carry it as a purse. It comes with um, a little shoulder strap but I really love it. I have it in like, like this light pearl gray. Um, it has really great pockets um, and it's just like the right size. It's not like this gigantic thing that I don't know about you guys but I will fill up a bag with lots of stuff if I have the space. So if I have a smaller space it requires you to not put as many things in it. Um, so yes that is my key Kikiloo backpack diaper bag. Um, and you can use it even when you're not carrying around diapers. Do you know,
0: because I'm doing today's podcast distance and I'm in front of my computer, I just ran over to the Kikiloo Designs.com website to see what all the fuss was about. They're super cute. Super cute, um, right? So many different colors and just so you guys know, they're having a sale right now. <laughs> if <It's, laughs> you're interested, <laughs> uh, so there you go. There you go. Run right uh, over, Kiki. Run right back. on over. Um, okay, so my um, my fave my favorite thing of the week is a beauty product. Okay going to backpedal for a second here. So you guys know I'm a total makeup junkie and I am always like trying new things. And my idea of heaven is just like, being in some kind of apothecary or makeup area or, you know, skin lotion and potion situation and just like trying everything. I love it. (laughs) So I, um, I had like a horrible plane delay last week while I was in LA and I was to the point where I was at the airport at eight in the morning, left the airport and had to go back to the airport at like 11. It was this whole thing, but where I ended up in the two hours that I was, um, you know, using my time in LA wisely in the interim was I went and got an incredible meal at JUSTA. My all-time favorite place to eat is in Venice, California. It's G J U S T A. And you can sh- go and order everything. Cause it's amazing. Um, and then right after that, I ran on over to space NK and played with their makeup for a while. <laughs> and, and what came out of that was my discovery of this by Terry, product called Cell- Cellularose Brightening CC Serum Color-Correcting
1: Primer. And it's a Gosh, mouthful. it sounds like it does a lot of things at once. Let, let me tell
0: you something. The way that the lady there, um, who I've become friends with, sold this to me was she was like, look, if you don't feel like putting foundation on, but you just want like a little skin correcting and the more even skin tone. And after having my kids, I, I had the pregnancy mask for a while and then it kind of went away. But now I just feel like my skin has redness to it that i didn't used to have and sometimes it's like blotchy in areas and i just want it to be even and healthy looking and glow um and, and just do it really fast. Honestly, like I pump it in my hands and rub it around and be done with it. Um, if you don't want to wear like foundation every single day. And she said, this is this is the, the product for you. So I got it in number four, which is Sunny Flash. And they have like four different options. One's sort of more of a highlighter. One's a little pinkier. One's more of a golden glow. And then the one that I got is actually quite tan. Um, Cellular Rose Brightening CC Serum Color Correcting Primer from By Terry. And let me tell you something. I have been wearing this every day. It is, I literally just put a pump in my hand and like mush it all around and run out the door. And it is, it's, it's the, it has those, you know, light reflecting particles in it. So it just sort of like, you know, fills in any areas that look a little dark or look a little light or a little red or whatever. It evens it all out. It gives you that beautiful, sunny, sun-kissed glow. It is a very, very different product than I've had before. It's not like a full coverage foundation or something like that. And it wears very light. And I just think I'm always on on the hunt for like great mom makeup bag essentials. Like I have my mascara that curls and bulks and lengthens all in one. And I don't like, if you're, you know, if you get wet, it doesn't run all over your face. I have my my, um, eyeliner that smudges really beautifully with my fingertip. Like I try to do everything very functionally and simply and with as minimal product as possible. And this might be an introduction to that bag because it is it's just such an easy one-step product so i wanted to share with you guys
1: multitasking it's a moisturizer
0: i'm gonna tell you right now because i don't want you guys to write me about it and be like "Ah, it's 91 dollars. it's freaking expensive but the good news is you use one pump and that's all you need so i'm expecting this bottle to last me like at least six months so
1: but now does it have an spf in it
0: um, You know what? Let's read. Since I'm on the website looking at it right now, uh, I don't think it has an SPF in it, but... It's radiance-enhancing, color-correcting serum, releasing brightening, moisturizing, and corrective skincare properties into the skin. Oh my god! <laughs> with with soft-focus microspheres that blur <laughs> imperfections, smooth features, and fill fine lines for a natural, even-toned result.
1: <laughs> anyway, I
0: really like it, guys. So I don't know. We'll see. I've only been using it for like a week, but right now I'm I'm pretty into it.
1: <laughs> so Sign me up.
0: That's in your mom makeup bag this week, ladies. Um, guys, thank you so much. For tuning into Mom Brain, we love, love hearing from you. We get, we're getting so much great feedback on social media, on Instagram, seeing your posts, what, like listening to you guys about when you're listening to it on the run, on the go, doing, living your lives, hearing your emails at mombrainpod at gmail.com. So thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us every week, um, and we love you, and we'll see you next Wednesday.
1: Tune in.
0: This is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group production.